Hi everyone and welcome to the Happy Podcast, Healthcare and Pharmaceutical Insights. Series 2 is all about a day in the life of. I'm looking forward to spending time with a variety of different people in the healthcare and pharmaceutical industry discussing what it is that they do on a daily basis. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome back everyone to another episode in Happy and we're continuing this series of A Day in the Life Of and I'm delighted to be joined by Emmerline. Emmerline's going to give me a, a quick introduction uh, in terms of who she is and, and what she does and that will give everybody a, a, fuller, a fuller understanding on uh, or what our, our job, A Day in the Life Of uh, title is today. So welcome Emmerline, great to see you. Thank you for giving me time um of your your busy schedule do you want to give us a bit of, a, of an introduction for us please yeah i can do and, and thank you for inviting me um, my name's emily Irving, and i am the head of improving population health for the west yorkshire improving population health program which is part of what's now known as an integrated care board for west yorkshire um but also the wider west yorkshire health and care partnership um my role is to work with the team within Improving Population Health to do basically what it says on the on the tin. Um, and that's look for different ways to improve the outcomes for our population so that they can live their longest, healthiest, happiest lives for as long as possible, free from harm and, and ill health. Um, and to support our population where um, they have health conditions and long-term health conditions um, to live as well as they possibly can. Good. Lovely, good, good. That's a slightly different angle for our, for our podcast here because a lot of the guests I've had on the on the, the Happy Podcast have I have, have come from industry, you know, predominantly come from industry, either a pharma company, a med tech company, or whatever. So we're, we're actually going slightly inside um, a little bit this, this this time within the the NHS. It's really good to get um, a, a slightly different viewpoint. We'll talk about kind of partnership with uh, with pharma as well. So thank you for for that. So that that intro. So you mentioned. ICB, the three letters ICB. So people who are, are in the pharma industry, you know, some will be more familiar with what that means than others. So, so what is an what is an ICB? So the Integrated Care Boards and new organisations that were legalised um, last summer, um, July. Previous to that, so the previous five or six years, they were established as sustainable transformation partnerships and plans. Then they moved on to become integrated care partnerships or integrated care systems. And basically, it was the opportunity to look at how we work together across health and social care and local authorities and the rest of the system in order to provide the best health outcomes for our population. Um, what we know is that only 10% of what happens to you around your health happens in a hospital um, or healthcare setting. And actually, the rest of it is determined by the environment that you live in, the services that you access around housing, transport, all of that. So ultimately, what, we, what the um, Integrated Care Board in West Yorkshire um, strives to do is bring all those partners together to look at how we can support the determinants of health as well as how we then support people in our health and care services. So the Integrated Care Board is the legal function now um, for NHS England and we've got different legal requirements as a result of that um, and we've got different programmes of work that we have to take forward and an example of that in my programme would be the long-term plan and the work around tobacco 
um, and tobacco services within hospitals and the work around the digital work management programme. Um, other, other examples in my programme is the work around health inequalities um, and the core 20 plus five funding that's um, come to ICBs from NHS England. Um, beyond that, integrated care boards again work at, with their population. We work on primacy of place. So West Yorkshire's integrated care board is made up of Bradford, Leeds, Wakefield, Calderdale and Kirklees. And those five places um, all have their own integrated partnerships at place level where they work across their own systems. So we use three sort of test questions when we do work at a system level. One is, um, does it add value to place? Can we share learning? Can we accelerate and replicate what's happening in one place across the system? If it's a wicked issue that everybody's struggling with, does it make more sense for us to come collectively together at system level to look at that? Or if it's something where it makes sense resource wise to work together once across the whole system. If um, it doesn't fit those three questions, it's always primacy of place. Okay, okay. Um, so the integrated care board is responsible for many different services um, and has you know, recently taken on responsibility for dental care from NHS England. Okay. Um, and we've got all sorts of different programmes working across the whole health and care system. Good. Now we haven't actually necessarily got this question strictly in, but it is, a summary of what we're looking at in terms of what, what a day in the life of is there a standard day in your in your diary or does <laughs> is, is everything i'm guessing I, i'm guessing no from your, from your laugh um so is, is there is there a pretty is your week changing every day does it is that what tends to happen yeah and i suppose the the standard thing is that it always changes um, and that's that's the standard, um, but it's what attracts me to this role. It's why I love it. Because um, you like that, then, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I've got a very varied portfolio of work from managing the long term plan to the adversity trauma and resilience work to managing the obesity work across West Yorkshire. So one day I could be in HMP Leeds, the next day I could be sat around a, a director's meeting or um, delivering training somewhere. So it's it's very right. varied across the patch, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that obviously that that, that is something that that you enjoy, um, and yeah. you don't seem to be the kind of person that can come in and just do the same job every single day. I'd be very bored. That's not, that's <laughs> not for you. So, so what motivated you to to personally to move into public health? I mean, you, you've touched on a couple of things here just now, but what what motivated you to move into public health? It was an accident, to be honest. I'm okay. guessing like many people. Um, I aspired to be a doctor when I was little, but never good right. enough at science. And then my mum got heavily involved in politics and was an elected member um, for most of my childhood and teenage years. And I ended up doing a politics degree right. and wanting to go down Which that route. She was a, a local councillor. Local councillor, right, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did a politics degree and then decided that there's no way I'd ever be an MP because I'd never get into the cabinet because I'm, I'm too vocal, let's say. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't always tow the party line. So I decided to head down the research route and, and got a job as a research and information officer, which happened to be in Bradford Youth Service, and I didn't realise at the time. And so then I requalified and did a postgraduate and requalified as a youth and community worker and did that for 12 years and loved every minute of it. And my work was predominantly around health. It was predominantly around health harming behaviours, health promotion and supporting young people to live their best lives and bridging the gap between services 
and young people and then being able to access services appropriately um, and without judgment. And the more and more I did that, the more I thought, well, I actually quite like this public health thing. Maybe I'll go back and learn a bit more about that. So I did. And I went and did a master's in public health, which then brought me into the public health world. And that's how I landed here. Um, And I always say that actually it was meant to be because it's political. It's helping people around health. Um, and it's doing something that I love and that's being able to advocate for people. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it, it was meant to be in the end. That's a really key thing you say, that you're doing something that you love. And um, if, if you can do something that you love, that, that pays the bills, um, and that, that you have that, that, sometimes I think we use the um, the word passion sometimes, you know, a bit flippantly. Um, but mm-hmm. if, if you do, if you are involved in something that you, that you love and, and that is you are passionate about, then it doesn't become a job. You know, it doesn't become yeah. work. It, you know, it just becomes that that is that is what you do. So um, hats off to you. That, that, that's that's a really interesting, you know, journey in terms of where you are and how you reached where you've reached um, at the moment. Um, so in terms of we touched on the start about partnership with the with the, the pharma industry and obviously i'm heavily involved in the pharma industry and speaking to pharmaceutical companies day in day out so how do you work in in partnership with the predominantly the pharma industry maybe also within healthcare med tech as well yeah i mean it depends on the role within the nhs as to um where you where you are when it comes to partnerships with with um Providers, I suppose, is is how we class it. Um, and obviously, there's always that that line between what can we do with with partners and what can't we do in relation to commissioning and and all the different governance yeah. that we have to abide to. Um, throughout my career, I've had different relationships with pharma in particular. Um, so I used to commission sexual health services in public health in Kirklees, and I worked quite a lot with pharma, um, particularly around training. Um, clinicians for long-term contraceptive application and things like that and they would um, support us to run our training sessions and help us be able to um, provide the necessary information and I guess clinical practice that we needed Mm. our practitioners to undertake in order to be able to run the service. Um, More recently I guess my relationship with pharma is around the new drug that's coming down around Wegovy um for the the obesity work um and obviously what i do is i don't i don't work directly with a pharma company i work with our pharmacy's lead okay so we have a pharmacy lead within the icp and every place will have their own pharmacy lead and we've got a pharmacy committee across the region um and i work directly with them through our planned care program Mm -hmm. um and so there's lots of work then that that goes on that we have to consider around how people will access the drugs and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, once they come into the system. And then, mm-hmm. of course, there is also the question around cost and being able to to afford to, to provide the drugs as we need to, because what we find is the inequality, there's lots of inequalities in that. Mm-hmm. So my role predominantly in the WeGove will be very much looking at when we've got to prioritise who can access that drug, how do we do that through an inequalities lens? Okay. Um, and actually, I was just recently at NHS Confed, um, and there's lots of pharma companies um, that that are part of the exhibits. And I was um, single-handedly going around them all, 
um, talking to them about inequalities and how they can start thinking about inequalities in the production mm -hmm. of drugs and the support that they provide to healthcare, the health and care system. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, the, the, that, that's and a few of the, the conversations I've had with people in, in pharma who are working in partnership with the NHS, that, that, that's, that's one of the key things. It's, it's, not, it's not for pharma to, you know, basically dictate to you what you know what what necessarily what not necessarily what should be prescribed but how things should be worked etc is i'm a real great believer in and a lot of the, a lot of the guys have said this is coming to you and saying what what's your views on this you you tell us what you're looking for maybe that's not the right way of, of phrasing it but you tell us you know maybe your concerns tell us what's what's going on there just now it's, it's really important to be uh for pharma i think to be understanding from you you know mm. um what what's happening what are the discussions that are going on that pharma companies are not able to hear and and how can we solve those problems um yeah. would you would you say that would you say that that's a really key aspect of your partnership with pharma i think so i think i mean because i don't i don't commission pharma per se yeah. that would be done yeah. through our planned care or our um, medicines management teams um so my relationship with pharma would be able would be about understanding how we could have that mutually beneficial relationship um, around how we reduce inequalities and how we we provide the best opportunities of access to drugs for our population, um, and yeah, and, and looking at the ethics, I guess, in it all and how we um, reduce that postcode lottery across the system for people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's a big challenge, isn't it? It's a big challenge. Yeah. And my, my, I think if I was to get any further involved in pharma, I'd probably need to go and do some training <laughs> um, around the, the whole commissioning, governance, et cetera, because obviously as well, when you, you're in a world where we've got to um, be very explicit and competitively, competitively tender mm -hmm. for different people, if the, if the, if the pharma company, you know, is if the drug can be provided by more than one pharma company, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, so I'd have to go to my teams to find yeah, that yeah. out. If, yeah, if yeah, I was yeah. in that position. But it's like any external supplier, isn't it? You know, no matter what they're providing, you want you want you you know that partnership or that relationship to be to be built on trust, to be built on yeah. you know um, certainly in your line of work to be built on data as well. You you need to be looking. Yeah. I would imagine. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine you spend quite a bit of time looking at data, looking at stats, absolutely, um, seeing what's happening where, and, and and bringing that together, which is which is really really key. I would be absolutely lost with that 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 type of yeah. that type of role myself. But that I would would that be right? Would you spend a lot of time looking at stats, yeah. looking at data, pulling all that together? Is that yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, data and intelligence is fun, you know, fundamentally underpins. Um, a public health approach and how we do yeah. our approach and it being evidence-based um data comes in many different forms i personally am not a numbers person i always find someone who can when it comes mm -hmm. to that so we have some um, amazing public health analysts um across our system and in, in places and also within our um, system teams as well that help us do that and help us look at where um looking at you know deprivation deciles um, looking at access to services, segmenting the population, using a population health management approach. But then data also comes in people's stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the bit that I'm, that, that that's the bit that interests me the most. So for me, it's about understanding um, how somebody feels, what their experience has been, what the gaps are, what they need. 
and then using the numbers to back that up. So I think yeah. you've got to do both. But yeah, yeah, everything we do is underpinned by the intelligence. Yeah, it's yeah. not perfect because the intelligence isn't always there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just having that conversation with the the cool face, isn't it? Really, you yeah. know, with, with people having a bit that bit more of a of a, of a fluid conversation with people and, and getting the getting it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, in terms yeah. of what their experience is, as you say, where the gaps are, and then using the data. You know, to, to help solve that solve yeah. that problem, and that that's where I know I did pharma before. I know you necessarily personally don't work directly with pharma, but I think that's a really key lesson for pharma that that, that we have to work as you know problem solvers continually. You know, and 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 um, working with with people in public health and you know in other roles within the NHS to say what's your problem? How can we help you solve this? Yeah. How can we how can we work with you to you know to to make make your life easier and to make mm. You know the life, ultimately the life of the patient, which is the 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 ultimate goal, um, is so much better. And and I guess I'd be looking at at, at the value base of of companies as well. You know, mm-hmm. is is the company looking at the whole person, looking at not just the fact that here's a drug, take it, you'll feel better, um, yeah. but looking at actually what else do we need to do in order to do that? We go over being the perfect example. It's not a miracle cure. It's not a miracle drug. If we had that, we wouldn't have obesity. We wouldn't have the yeah. issue. Um, it's actually, it's the psychological support um, and the obesogenic environments that people live in that we also need to consider. So I think for me, I'd be looking at companies that can offer insight into that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about them trying to sell a product uh, in the in, in form of medication, but actually trying to sell a lifestyle, I suppose, mm-hmm, and how we mm-hmm. can support people in everything that's affecting them and impacting on their choices. I totally agree with you. I think, again, companies, obviously, in what I do each day from a recruitment perspective, um, we we have to, but we, but we enjoy it. We more we offer more than just, you know, recruiting or, or filling a vacancy. We, we offer a, a lot more around that, that whole model that, that, that we do now, which is all around people helping solve that yeah. wider problem of, of attracting talent to your organization. Um, and that's, uh, that's through providing, you know, from our perspective, providing good content that our, our customers will look at and go, yeah, that, that can mm-hmm. add value to me and my job on a daily basis. And that's exactly the same from what you're looking for from, yeah. from your, uh, from your and, and I think maybe the, you know, what understanding the influence that, that pharma companies might have, you know, we only have so much influence um, in the roles that we have to impact on government policy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. changes, um, you know, and, and we're in a society now where we're kind of on the edge of a cliff of our own making. And if we don't do something, um, yeah. it, it's going to be really hard. Um, and the system's not moving along at the same pace as technology is, as people's lives are, etc. And so for me, I'd be really interested in how pharma could help that. Mm-hmm. Um, and how big companies like pharma companies can help influence where where we struggle. People need to be a bit bolder, I think. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of their, you you know, their ideas, they need to be a bit bolder in terms of the the delivery. Um, and and yeah, I think we could probably certainly in my experience of of working in, in this industry over the years, you can always remember um, probably just a small group of people who really stand out because. Their ideas, their way of delivering that idea, um, and working again, as I said, in partnership with the NHS, really stood out. It stood out because they yeah. came up with something either quite innovative or something that 
you know, we've always been doing, but they did it really well. Um, yeah. And they made sure that communication was spot on. They made sure that, you know, the delivery of it was spot on. The customer service element of it was was really there. Um, but I think that's with people within, you know, our circle, your circle, my circle, in terms of healthcare as a whole, we need bold people, yeah. I think. Um, you know, because you say we're a bit of a cliff edge. There's no doubt about it. And a number of different things, but um, that's that's what I think it, re- it requires at the moment. And I think yeah. in West Yorkshire, we are really privileged that we we have that senior leadership, that bold senior leadership within our ICB, that mm-hmm. does allow us to think outside the box. Um, obviously, you can only do what you can do within the limitations of resource. Mm-hmm. But if you've got the space to do that, though, if you've got the space to mm-hmm. within within that 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 team of people. And if that leadership team is allowing you the space to come up with some wacky ideas, and you probably think that the eighty percent of them will be, they'll look at you and go, "No, come on, see this one doing that." <laughs> but it'll be that twenty percent ideas that will come through, and they'll go, "Yeah, brilliant. Let let's yeah. you know, let, let's even get a bit of traction in that. Let's see if we can try that. And then if there's an opportunity to do that, where people, a lot of the reasons why I think people move on from companies, especially around about this is because they are suffocated they don't get the opportunity to share those ideas and they're in a very very uh tight space and and they feel quite restricted when they can't if you've got the freedom to do that without you know um uh feel of kind of ridicule or whatever then that's a good place to be they might not all work really good place to be be. so actually that's good moving on from this so i mean there's, there's people watching this just now it's a similar question to asking, certainly in this series, and they're thinking, um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in moving into public health. I'm interested in looking at ICBs. I'm looking at these roles. Now, we look in the NHS website, for example. Well, I don't because we're not recruiting that space, but there's a load of jobs. There's, there's a ton yeah. of jobs you know, across all different facets. But if somebody's specifically thinking about a job in public health just now, what advice would you would you offer these people at the moment? I think we have what we call the wider public health workforce, which is there are many people doing roles that contribute to public health. Firemen, ambulance, Uh teachers, community workers, they're all doing public health roles. So I think it would be look look at your own role and what is it that you've been doing within that role. Uh You can go online and you can look at the public health outcome framework. You can look at the Royal Society of Public Health and the Faculty of Public Health and and you can Google what a public health specialist specialist is um but ultimately i think you still have to look at what can you do within your own role if you're wanting to then go on to be a public health specialist there's lots of different training you can access so there's a practitioner level training that you can access um across yorkshire and the humber um there's the trainee course for public health consultants so it depends on where you are in your career and yeah. what experience you have as to which ones which ones of those you would access. We also offer the opportunity across West Yorkshire for and um, we run a fellowship within mm-hmm. our programme. Um and that fellowship, um anybody that lives or works in West Yorkshire can apply for it. And we it's free um for for people to to join and, and take part in the fellowship. We just have to have agreement that their organisations will give them the day release um, which is just one day a week for 12 months. And what they do is they undertake the foundation in public health training mm-hmm. as part of that fellowship, which is um, provided to us by um, Health Education England and the university. Um, 
and then we provide them the opportunity to be a health equity fellow or to be an adverse to trauma and resilience fellow. We've got suicide prevention, climate change. And in those 12 months, we will um, pass on all sorts of knowledge and skills around different aspects of public health, but also around the, the actual topic that they've chosen to look at. And they mm-hmm. get a mentor on various different things. So I think there's there's lots of opportunities. Seek out your local public health team, find out what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then see if it's something that, that you're interested in. But the likelihood, is, the likelihood is people that come into this sort of space are already doing that doing wider it. public yeah. health role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the way you put that actually at the start, you know, in terms of what people are doing that is the, the kind of, the, maybe don't have the job title that you have, but they're involved in public health, as you say. And I think, yeah. I think that's, that's forgotten about. Um, Absolutely um and from i mean obviously you've been in this this kind of arena for for some time um you and i don't know each other that well but i, I can see that you you obviously you said at the start you love what you do you seem to really enjoy what you do so i can see you being in this type of space for for a long long time possibly until you you retire dare we say but you don't need to answer that question for me <laughs> well it just depends how old i'm going to be now when i when i'm allowed to retire but um but yeah That's for the true. foreseeable future i wouldn't see myself moving i really enjoy what i do and, and the organization that i work for good that's good to hear really good to hear and this has been uh, hugely interesting as i said it's a slightly different angle to the to the podcast that we're taking on this conversation and and that's good and and, and i'm pleased that you've just taken time to be so open and then share with us, you know, what, what you do, um, what you enjoy about it, where the challenges currently lie, which, you know, most of us from an outsider's point of view can see, can see it in the media, you know, we can we can see it, see it all the time. Um, but and the, the really practical advice that you've shared for people who are considering moving into public health, no matter what uh, or how that looks. So um thank you so much for your for your time, Everline. It's really, really great to 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 be with you today. Um, and uh, I wish you all the best. So thank you very much. Thank you. Take care.